that uh, the, the gospel is growing here, and there's not a whole lot of money. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. There's churches with $24 million budgets. We throw things together with pennies. Part of what we bring here, part of what we gather here, we send toward a central mission. That means some of your money was used to bring this church into being. And I just want to say that I'm excited about that. Um, so listen, I want you to do this as we're going to pray. I want you to look at that cross. When I was getting prepared for the service, I was just staring at the cross. Just staring at the cross. Just stare at it for a minute. I want you to listen to these lyrics. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but lost. And I pour contempt on all my pride. Forget it, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Saved in the death of Christ my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice them to his breast. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love mingle thou. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, love so divine, demand, demanding my soul, my life. I want you to close your eyes, and you will see that cross in there. It has the ability to burn itself onto your memory. When you see it in the power of the Lord, close your eyes. I'm not kidding you. If you've been staring at that for a few minutes, you will see that cross because it, it represents the power, the power of God's committed love to his chosen, to his elect. And let's pray. Father God, we pray uh, just prayers of thanksgiving, God. Uh, you, uh, you are truly generous and amazing to us, Lord God. Your love uh, for us is so committed, Lord God. It will never turn from us. It will never forsake us. Lord God, there's a song lyric, and I know you know it well, that says, He'll never gonna, he's never going to let, he's never going to let us down. And Lord God, we are tempted to disbelieve that at times. In times of difficulty, we're tempted to believe that we are all on our own. But Lord God, for those who are in Jesus Christ, who have put their faith in you, you will never let us down. You will always fulfill your promises. And we want to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord God. We want you to be exalted in our lives. And wherever our feet are, that you would be exalted. And we pray this with one voice in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listen, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to look at things. Now, don't get nervous when I hop through a portion of Scripture. It's not normally what I do. I don't like to take one, one or two or three verses and then kind of skip over other parts and then go back into another. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous habit to make. Because if, if, if I'm left to do that to myself, what I can do, and I, 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 by, God, I, by God's grace, I haven't done that, but I can cherry pick. It's easy to cherry pick cherry pick well this is a verse that i like this is one that encourages me this is one that lifts me up but this one makes me a little bit uncomfortable but uh, because there's a series that i'm trying to bring us to i want us to 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 look at particular verses within a statement that uh, uh paul gives us starting at verse one in chapter three of the book of colossians paul speaking to the colossians he says since then since you have received the word of God, since the Holy Spirit has come in, since you have been pulled out, remember, that's you, that's me. If you've really, truly been saved by the Holy Spirit, you've been pulled out. I was in the world, I was steeped in the world, there was no way for me to leave. He pulled me 
out. I'm telling you right now, you did not choose him. He chose you. You did not conjure up the power that you need to follow him. He's the one that is the power base for you to believe and act in faith. He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is something called the great hope that we have. That time that we are absolutely certain that this life, this world will come to an end. Jesus will break in through the clouds and he will claim the earth as his own. And we will be enveloped in him. In some way, we will not lose our identity. I mean, I've thought this a million times. We will not lose our identity, but we will be, that we will experience, those who are his children will experience a unity with God and each other that will be absolutely fulfilling. And I want you to remember that. So this is our hope in Jesus Christ. Now let's go down to verse 12. Therefore, therefore, Paul's saying, because of these things, therefore, God has, has God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. If you've been in the church for any period of time, you know that that statement is something that should be read over and over and memorized over and over because there's always opportunities for us to hurt each other. It's just the way it is. That's kind of what people do. We hurt each other. But he says, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in a perfect unity. That means nothing's out of proportion. We're not a characterized version or vision of Christ Jesus. We're a perfect. It's perfect. There's nothing out of proportion. He goes further, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of one body. Underline that. You are part of one body. You've been called out from individual living to be part of one body. That is a huge statement. He says this, you who are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That means even when I have difficult things to say, I do not do it in a spirit of superiority or wanting to hurt you or expose you simply for the sake of exposing you. I am doing it out of the birth of love, Christ's love inside me. I literally want to see God's best in your life. You want to see power Pray that that happens in your own life, even in your own home, when you're dealing with your wife or your husband or your children. See, let the love of Christ dwell in me. So even when I have to correct, I'm not doing it in a way to punish or grab hold of or expose to shame, but I'm doing it to bring them up and out. I'm literally being a vessel for God's deliverance. Amen? And then he says this, as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart, to God and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him we could man that is a wonderful rich 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 scripture 
But remember, we're talking about the marks, the 25 marks of sonship. And remember I told you that it's my heart, one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything else is that I see an orphan spirit that is actively at work in the body of Christ. And that's usually because people come in broken and never ever allow God to bring them out of that brokenness and start working on that. So even though they belong to a congregation, they really don't belong to a congregation. They're just members kind of someone who sits in a seat and that breaks my heart absolutely breaks my heart because it is an absolute perversion of what christ has brought for us he's bought this for us in jesus christ we are now sons that was the scripture we looked at last year we have been given the spirit of his son which cries out abba father that means he is our absolute perfect father we were reminded of god's gift of adoption last week through jesus christ why? Because of Jesus' devoted love toward his Father. That's where our confidence is. It is not in your behavior, my behavior, anything I bring, or anything I could potentially bring. Our confidence is in the Son and the Father's agreement with one another. I promise to do this to win a people for you. The Father says, I promise to do this to give a people unto you as you as their Lord for my glory. It's a, it's a perfect covenant between the two so we have confidence not in us but in who in god in what god made commitment to his, himself so remember we have this confidence we've been brought in because god's sacrificial love to his father's devoted love and his sacrificial love for us you are god's chosen you are his beloved that is important to know why is that important to know because the world is going to trick you into believing that there's something better outside. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it oftentimes. I've been following the Lord for 26 years. Oftentimes, I look at the patterns of the world around me and I go, man, that looks awfully appealing. And it doesn't have to be overtly sinful. You know, I told you before, one of my dreams is to buy a property far away from civilization have my guns where I can hunt for my food, fish, and be left alone where I don't see people for months at a time. <laughs> and you know what? That sounds really great. And after 25 years of working, I trick myself into believing, well, this is my life. But I have to remember, I have another truth that supersedes that desire that I have been called out. I no longer primarily live for my own desires. You got to remember this. All right. So now, the first aspect, and I'm not going to take long, is we see God as a loving and a perfect father. Someone that we can completely trust in. He is skilled. He is powerful. He is able. He's willing to care for us. That's way, when he tells me, hey, I know this is your desire, and you think that this is going to make your life complete, but I want you to listen to me and trust me. It's not going to make your life complete. You think it is, but really, that's just another form of death. I have life. Only me. Follow my plan. Follow my will. And I want you to remember that. This is what we have been called to. We as children, sons and daughters, we see him as a perfect and loving father. All right, listen. Here's uh, the next part. This is the next aspect. So we're going to move on to the next aspect or sign of sonship. We, as God's children, are now interdependent upon each other. That's a huge statement. 
The orphan church is marked by coming and going and belonging to self. That strips the church of its power. This is just another organization if we belong to ourselves. Come when we want, go when we want, come five minutes before and leave five minutes of it. I, even, I can even serve. It's a strange thing. I can even serve in a ministry and be completely committed to myself. It loses power, man. I'm telling you, there's a power strip within the church because the outside world sees no difference in the church and any other organization on the earth. So now we recognize we are independent on each other and we acknowledge our need of one another. There is danger in that. When I acknowledge my need for you, that has implications. That means I have to be present. I don't move forward unless I'm with you. Let me keep going. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up on the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. This was a group of believers who were probably following Jesus from the Jerusalem days. This was now 24 years later. They've been hearing from preacher and elder for years. Jesus is going to break through the sky any minute. And you know what? They lost family. They lost businesses. They lost stuff to follow Jesus. And you know what they're starting to think? Wait a minute. Maybe I better start rethinking this. Maybe I better grab a little something for myself because I'm going to wind up with nothing in the end. So you know what they did? When everybody was meeting together, they were focusing on their own lives. Does that make sense to anybody here? Because I'm telling you, that thought can easily permeate the church, and it has to a certain extent. And I mean, I'm not saying this to condemn or to shame. It's just the truth. And he's saying, do not give up. Do not get in the habit of not needing. Let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I know, I can see with my eyes, we are approaching a change. Whether it means Jesus is going to break through the crowds, clouds, I don't know. But I do know this, something's clearly ending and something's clearly beginning. And this is the opening pages of it. And I believe, personally, what I think the Lord has told me, it's going to be a little bit tumultuous, very violent at times. And many who profess Jesus Christ, who are outside of the umbrella of protection, will be swept away. That's what we are told. There will be a huge deception that enters upon the earth. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. And we could... We could debate it or disagree, but I know that this is what God is calling us to do. Listen, the orphaned heart is fiercely independent, and it is fiercely self-reliant. Why? It's real simple. Because experience has taught them that people cannot be trusted. I come in broke, learn that I can't trust anybody. I couldn't trust anybody in my family. Couldn't trust anybody at my workplace. I know what the world is like, so I'm going to come in here and I'm going to protect myself because I can't count on you because you're just like everybody else. It's experience. But can I tell you something? We died to it. We are now born into something different. We have been born into something. We've been born into a different mindset. They have also learned this that many times people are obstacles to meeting their goals. Man, my goal 
is not my goal unless you're part of it. I know, and I mean, I know this is going to sound critical, man. I don't want to be critical. But there are many people who are devoted to their gift as though it was theirs. You know what my calling is? You. And I only receive a gift from him so I can minister his love to you. If you're not there, then the gifting doesn't matter. I don't serve my gift. I serve the family of Christ. And they are called to serve me. That's the way it is. This is what it is to be sons and daughters. That's why we have to count the cost. That's why we have to be told the whole truth, the whole counsel of God. Right? All right. The person who thinks like this is a person who is in danger of seeing people as objects to be used to meet personal goals, or they see people to be avoided at all costs. Man, we don't want anyone to think like that who is a child of God. You know what? I'm going to tell you a quick story, and it's a, it's a quick story. I know of somebody, not at New Life Church, who was a minister, a worship leader for five years at a church that was huge. Five years, they're worshiping, worshiping, leading worship, doing great, right? Five years, they're like, all right, I'm tired. I want to kind of do something different. I want to, you know, their life changed a little bit. So they did everything right. They kind of waited for someone to come in to take over. And then they left the church. And my question was this. Why, why did you leave the church? My question was this. Who, who were you serving for the last five years? I don't care how talented you may be. I want to know how much you love this family. Because that's where the power of God resides. It broke my heart when I found like, man, this person must have done, they did an excellent job, an excellent job. This church, man, had 1,500 people in it. But they were clearly ministering. Something got mixed up along the way where they did not minister to a family. Can I tell you something? When I'm connected to a job, when I see a ministry, whatever it is, whether it's worship leader or, or tech team leader or, or anything, I don't care, I can find that anywhere. But you don't leave your family. I could go find ministry anywhere. But you I can't find anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? This is what a child of God does. A child of God is committed to the other child of God. It is like a unifying bond. They become, instead of ones, they become one. They become one. Amen? All right. I've told you what's on my heart. It breaks my heart, but it's... The child of God belongs to a family, and they receive a gift to serve the family. We have to remember that. We're here for a purpose, and the purpose is not for us to reach the fullness of our full potential. Paul makes it really clear. I don't care what gift you think you have. If it's not birthed out of the love of Christ for you and for his church, then you're just a noisemaker. Man, that's a powerful, powerful statement. The orphan spirit probably has learned to not trust people because they have experienced vendor-style relationships. That's oftentimes what you'll get in this world. This is where love is only given in order for the person to receive. And if anything prevents that person from getting what they want in this relationship or thinking they can get more or better somewhere else, they with 
how remorse will leave. That is a dead stump of a life. I was listening to a sermon this week about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Brought me to tears on 67th and State Street. Crying like a little baby because of his committed love to people who truly did not deserve it. And can I tell you something? It was their committed love. It was their commitment to the interdependency and the oneness of the church that transformed these knuckleheads into being the most trans, uh, transformative group that ever walked upon the earth. They were knuckleheads, man. And no offense, I know I'm probably going to see them sometime. I don't want to get slugged in heaven. And I'm a, I'm a knucklehead too apart from that. I'm just saying, I don't know about you, but I could be a knucklehead apart from grace. All right. With an orphan, you got to remember this. Relationships are oftentimes expendable. And if you think that that only happens in the church, no. That attitude can permeate our life. You know, when husbands are supposed to be connected to their wives and wives connected to their husbands, man, God says, no, 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 part of it is commitment. Don't tell me you love that other person. Show me you love that person. And you know what? It's easy to show love when you're cooperating with me. It's not easy when you smell bad at times. When you're a little bit obstinate, when you're difficult, when all of your flaws and failures become very, very apparent. But could you ever imagine Jesus on that cross looking down and saying, that's it. That's it. I'm no longer going to do this for a people that is going to act like that. You could never imagine that. And that love is now given birth in my heart as a son of God. Does that make sense? All right, listen, let's keep moving forward because we've got about 15 minutes. The child of God says, I am not a free agent. You know what God wants from his children in this world, not just in the, the, the constraints of this building. He wants true servant leadership, and that only comes from loving commitment. Leadership that transforms wherever it is at. It is committed. It is true. It, is, it, is, it, 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 it perseveres. It strives to persevere. It strives to make a difference. I know that that sounds daunting. You're like, man, I got enough stuff to do in my life. But can I tell you something? That's probably true, but Jesus also wants to remind us that many of the things that we think are valuable, really in the end, when we're breathing our last breath, we're going to go, why did I spend so much time on this garbage? I can't take this with me. This has no purpose now. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. The child of God says, I am not a free agent. Sometimes... The free agent is the most talented person on a sports team. But their motivation and their drive for satisfaction and success is purely self-aimed. They are many times not interested in the success of the team around them at all. As long as their goals and aims are met, they're okay. And if they think they can find what they want in a better place, adios. Man, I'm telling you, this, there's part of commercialism in this United States that has warped our church out of its design. I'm church shopping. No, you're not. You're called to be part of the church, to be used in a church, to love the people of God. 
You want to find true fulfillment? You want to try true satisfaction? You want to find the source of life gushing up through you? Then be committed to God by loving his people. Period. Period. I know that this is very difficult to hear sometimes, but it's something that we need to hear. Free agency, I believe here, I'm going to get to some sports metaphors. I know people hate that. But I was a huge sports fan. Man, I loved the Cubs when I was young and stupid. <laughs> Man, I'll keep, hey, listen, I'm going to get a deliverance ministry here. Man, I've learned the truth. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said, the truth will set you free. So, man, I'll be getting some Sox jerseys for us. Listen. So, listen. All right. I'm sorry. I don't want to cause unity in a brawl. <laughs> Free agency, in my opinion, took something out of professional sports. Loyalty to a city and to the other teammates caused me, as a young man, to embrace certain players. You loved them because you had this idea that they loved you. Man, I used to go to Cubs Park when you could get in and this after the seventh inning without paying anything. Remember those days? Or you pay a dollar to go in the grandstand. Man, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, kids in here? No, never mind. So anyway, but I can remember when I would go to the games. And I would love, and I would wait around, I would wait for players. And those, listen, those players were awful. But they would spend hours signing stuff. Hey, sign my elbow, sign this, sign that. You'd be man, for sure. And you loved them. You know why? Because you sensed they loved you. And can I tell you something? That's the way we need to be as a community of children. Amen? Family connection, if you're writing something down, write this down. Family connection and loyalty to one another with a sincere love is the most powerful thing upon the earth. It has the ability to transform a life by spilling over borders and affecting other areas of my life. I like to use this. I didn't bring the example. But God is the endless source of life itself. So he pours himself into us, this, this commitment and this love. And it kind of comes up, comes up, and then it spills over the borders of our life. And as it spills to the ground around us, the puddle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And everyone who's connected to us starts to taste and experience that love. Does that make sense? Man, The more you want to really be fruitful? Man, get close to his love because he promises, man, I'll give it to you in overflow. That's his words, not mine. John chapter 11, the enemy, he wants to give you stuff that's going to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come to give you life to overflow. It's going to come up out of you and it's going to spill over. Your kids are going to be the first ones to feel it. Your wife, your husband, they're going to be the ones to feel it. Man, you know what? The most powerful testimony in a family is not one that is preached with the mouth, but it is preached with the life, a preached with a committed life. It, is, it has a transformative power and is able to change us from being fearfully insulated people who hedge for investment. That's what I see sadly is the church. There's a good division. There's a large percentage of people who hedge their investment. They hedge it. Man, you've got, you've got a, a royal flush in your hand in Christ Jesus. Pour all of your money on the line. All of your wealth, all of your treasure, all of your time, all of your talents. Why? Because the hand can't be beat. 
And you know what? I understand that that's going to be a movement. We're not going to jump across the room and get there. But in the context of a committed family, it helps us to make small incremental changes. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep moving. All right. God literally, you can write this down if you want, God literally sanctifies you and I by replacing a distorted commitment to self as a first priority. Go with me to Colosh, uh, no, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. That is a good baby who's not freaked out by no noise. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Do you have any encouragement from that? Because I do. I got lots of it. If there's any comfort from his love. Do you feel comfort from his love? Because I do. If there's any fellowship with his spirit. If there's any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love that I have been given. Being one in spirit and in purpose. He says, therefore, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look after not only your own interests, but the interests of others. I'm not going to continue on because that's a, a Christology that talks about the kenosis of Jesus and who he did and what he did upon the earth. But man, he exemplified the life that we are to live. He empowers through his Holy Spirit the life that we're going to mimic. His love is literally alive in me, his son. And he's alive in you as well. All right. Now, I want to be clear. That does not mean that we are not to take care of ourselves. Simply let everything fall. Don't care for my family. Let my house fall apart. Stop working my job. It's not what he's saying. It is my belief that God wants us to take care of ourselves. I believe he wants us to sleep well. <laughs> I know you're like, wait a minute, what? I'm going to just tell you this. If you are not cared for yourself, you are never going to be able to battle at your full strength. And it's a battle. You're battling your own flesh. You're battling the world's currents. And you're battling an enemy that wants to trip you up and to defeat you. It's not hyperbole. It's the truth. So he wants you to sleep well. He wants you to eat well. He wants you to get moderate to good exercise. He wants you to get mental rest. That means it's okay. Me and my wife sat on the couch on Saturday. Man, we, we ate breakfast together, had coffee together. We, we talked about a few things, and then we just watched NCIS like two old people. And, <laughs> and you know what, man? We, we just love sitting on the couch together. It's okay. You know what, man? And I'm telling you, today's a beautiful day for me because of that day of rest. Remember, I want you to remember this. You live in a tent. Not a castle. We like to say, oh, I'm a castle of faith. But the scripture tells us you live in a tent. Tents only provide a little shelter from the enemy. So remember that. I was, um, I was uh, listening to Mark Job one time. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to go, well, how, how is it that you do this? How is it that you keep doing this and you, you don't give up? And you know what he said, the most amazing thing? He said, he goes, I pray all the time for the Lord to baptize me afresh in the love for his people. You know why? It's hard to continue to work. 
Sometimes you look around and you're like, yeah, that person's worthy of my love, but that's not worthy of my love. Man, I wish I could figure out a way to get them to go to another church. But can I tell you something? Sometimes I'm not exactly worthy of his love either. But I'm going to tell you this. I've never sensed him going, that's it for you, Facebook friend. You're done. You know, it's that same love. That's what Paul's talking about in Philippians. If there's any tenderness, any commitment, anything that draws you near, gives you an anchor for your soul, then be like-minded with me. Do this. Love one another above your own self-love. Man, that's a powerful thing. I want you to remember this as we get near the end. In full view of God's mercy, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This is my favorite verse in all the Bible. I know that's hard to hear. There's so many great ones. In full view of God's mercy, let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. It's not over the top. It's reasonable. The person who finds no impetus to love other people doesn't even understand the value of who Christ is and what he's given us through his life and death. Man, that's powerful. He says this, Therefore, let us conform no longer to the patterns of the world around us, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Whatever was the mindset that we entered into, we must recognize that must die. And the new must come. Man, we need each other. And I kid you not, we need each other. If I understand Ephesians correctly, I can't even find my true identity apart from you. Anyone who thinks it's you and God who can live in a cave, you're wrong. You know how many false religions started that way? A man in a cave? <laughs> and lots of coffee and stimulants? That's exactly the truth. I mean, I know history a little bit. I don't know everything, but American culture sadly has affected us greatly. And I'm not saying that we are to completely drop all of our responsibilities, but this is where I am going to finish. I must, as his child, create a space for God to use me in his process of making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ. How? By loving well. That's where we're going to end. So as we have the team come back up, I want you to think about this. Who are you committed to? Are you shopping around? Okay, that's fine. Do that for a short time, but don't do it forever. Don't do it endlessly. Find the place that you're supposed to be and say, here I am, Lord God. Use me. Put my hand to the plow and use me to make fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ. So let's stand up. I don't know where the worship team is. Maybe someone kidnapped them. They were such such a blessing to me. I would understand why they want to kidnap them. Um, we're just going to take a moment, Lord, right now to just do this. We want to close our eyes. Sometimes you got to kind of. Sometimes you just got to kind of open up your hands and go, man. Things aren't going to be perfect. Things aren't going to go exactly the way I want them to go. They're not going to always look as I planned them. But you know what, though. He's in charge of all that. Even when we don't feel that uncertainty, he's in charge of all of it. So let's just offer our minds, let's offer our hands, let's offer our hearts to him afresh. If there's anyone in this room, can I tell you something? You have not been baptized. You need to be baptized. That's not an option. Once again, 
We got 25 people in our first steps group. Why? These people know the book. They've taught people through. But we need freshness. We need it to breathe life into us again. It's got to give us passion for those who are being transformed, taken out of a dead graveyard of a world into the life and the abundance that God has for them. Man, you don't, you haven't been baptized. Today's your day. You come forward. We'll hook you up. I'll get you with someone who's going to take you through, walk you through the steps. They're going to love you into the next step and process of God perfecting magnificence and salvation. And I speak to the young people here. You're not here by mistake. Not here by mistake. Mom and dad may be forcing you to come, but he's after you. He's after you, and I'm telling you, if you're his, you can run as far as you want. He will chase you down, and he will win. But sometimes we can resist him to the point to where we hurt ourselves. Got to remember that as well. But man, why resist when someone loves you like this? Man, let's uh, let's worship right now, and then.